Coming at you once again on a Thursday. I know it sounds weird, but that's how we're doing things now. It's the Sunday Morning Grind Podcast, episode number 45. Josh Taylor, Greg Finley, got a lot to talk about here because week one of the college football season is now in the books, but now week one of the NFL season is coming up. So we've got to review the backyard brawl with Pitt and West Virginia. Plus, we got to talk about some other stuff that happened in college football and how we got one game terribly terribly wrong and we owe one particular team a sincere apology we'll discuss that too plus Steelers season preview plus we will talk about week one coming up against Cincinnati and it's the return of the hot sheet but first I gotta get something off my chest real quick do you know yeah uh I'm driving in for us to do this podcast listening to the radio and they're talking about how Michael Jordan is selling his game one jersey of the 1998 finals against Utah could go up for as much as $5 million. Whoa. The thing that I need to get off my chest is who is paying that kind of money for a jersey that he wore? Like, you could go to the store, buy a Michael Jordan jersey for, what, 100 bucks, And it, about. it looks just like the same one that he wore in that game. Like, what is what is the big deal about this? Why would you spend five million dollars? Other than the fact that you're probably going to flip it and sell it for more, but but who has that kind of money to put down on a jersey like that? Someone who needs something like that to show it to other people and brag that they have it. That's what it is. But who's going to buy it? Who's going to be like, oh yeah, totally? That's Michael Jordan's game used jersey from game one. Someone who has five million dollars to burn, which definitely cuts a swath out of most of the population to be fair <laughs> but someone who has five million to burn and has enough ego that they need that to show to someone else hey remember 98 bulls bulls and jazz michael jordan game one jersey who wore game one right there <laughs> that's for someone who needs to show that as if it's some kind of trophy that they themselves have hunted gathered and collected that's what they need to do that's who buys that it's just a waste of money, in my opinion. <laughs> now, I say that with, with this caveat. Were I to have $5 million to burn, I might be interested in buying that jersey. Would so, you? I, I'd think about it. I, if I had $5 million to burn <laughs> and I, I didn't have to put it towards anything else, eh, I'd so if you're think just, about it. So if you're just sitting there and you go, man, $5 million, and it's just sitting there in my bank account, I guess I could just buy this Michael Jordan jersey. Now, odds are, I, I'm probably one of the people you mentioned before, I'm probably buying it, keeping it for a year, and probably flipping it to get $6 million, or 7 or $8 million, ten, ten, 10 years down the ten, road. I don't know. $10 million. But yeah, I'll probably <laughs> buy it for five and try to sell it for a couple million more. That's that's the only reason I can think of that you would spend $5 million on a jersey is to flip it then. That's and exactly. Get, and that's double ex your profits. That's exactly what I would do. Okay. Um, I'm, prop, I'm prop Joe on the wire all day. Buy for $4, sell for 2 That's me. All day. <laughs> now that I've completely gone off the rails. <laughs> <laughs> it felt, it, it, now, here's the, here's the irony of what you just said. Michael Jordan, 1998, with the Bulls, he was back to wearing 23 by then. Yes. But when he came back to basketball, he was wearing number 45. And it just so happens, this is the number 45 episode, unofficially number 45, because we have had more. <laughs> but the ones that we number, this is the 45th unofficial podcast for that, the show. That's actually kind of wild. It is And super I didn't wild. tell you about this topic. No, you I... just you just literally jumped in and had something to get off your chest. So, I mean... <laughs> 
good on you for locating the irony there. But we're calling this the Chris Fumatu Malafala episode. Yes, we are. Because it's the greatest last name ever. It, probably the best <laughs> ever worn on a jersey wearing number 45, and that includes Michael Jordan. Sorry, Michael, but... You're 23 in yeah, our minds. Yeah, you're 23 in our hearts, and Big Foo is the true number 45. Sorry. <laughs> But yeah, that's where we are. <laughs> Episode number 45. <laughs> I gave you the rundown with what we're talking about here. This is a football-heavy episode, which made it all more sense to use number 45 as Chris Fuamatu Maafalo because we're talking about a ton of football. So l- let me just get this off my chest, too. You got a lot to get off your chest. This tonight. is related now. This okay. is related. How great was the backyard brawl last week? It was a game I would have never expected to A, be that close, B, be that exciting and see end the way it did. End the way that it did. The way that yeah. it ended. My God. That that was a fantastic, not only a fantastic way to renew a rivalry, that surpassed 42-39 to 39 with Pitt and Penn State in 2016. And that was a great way to bring that rivalry back. Yes. Although the next three games weren't. <laughs> That's beside the point. <laughs> um, but this was a good way to reinstitute this. After 11 years, you bring this game back. And I thought this one was better than Penn State and Pitt in 2016. I thought this was a much better game. I thought it had a lot more of excitement to it. I thought there were surprises that we saw on both sides. I thought West Virginia played a much better defensive game than people expected them to play. And Dante Stills, whom we talked about last week, he was everywhere. And Bryce Ford Wheaton, whom we talked about last week, made a lot of plays, especially in man-to-man coverage, where Pitt had a hard time slowing him down. And JT Daniels, who we talked about last week, made some incredible throws, not just for the sake of him completing passes and how they looked, just how did he get that pass off? How did he complete that throw? How did he make that play? He made quite a few of them. I mean, how about the one play when Pitt brought the house, he goes to throw the ball, they hit his arm as he's throwing it, it's just a duck up in the air, and Bryce Ford Wheaton comes down with it on third and 23. Third and 23. And they get a first down on that. It, it was it was one of those games where it's just like, West Virginia is not going to be able to get out of this. And they did. It was like the Dukes of Hazard. It's like a Dukes of Hazard episode. You hear the guitar. Now, if you think these two guys are going to get out of this, they ain't going to get out of this bucket of syrup. Here comes JT Daniels. Boom, Bryce Wheaton first down. I don't know how they did it. I don't know how they did it. But they kept doing it. And to their credit, West Virginia had a lead for a good chunk of this game. West Virginia led. Now, in the second half, the lead changed four times, which is pretty crazy in and of itself. But then you have the unlikeliest of game winners, MJ Devonshire, 56-yard interception return for a touchdown. I tweeted about this after the game. What is it from defensive? What is it with defensive backs who play for Pitt from Aliquippa with big returns for touchdowns in big moments on the North Shore in the backyard brawl? (laughs) Because that's exactly what it was. It felt like Darrell Rivas all over again, but this one was the eventual game winner. And the fact that it was because of Bryce Ford Wheaton, who you already talked about, had, that's, a, had a great game. That's until, what made it crazy. Until that happened. That's what made it crazy because it, it literally, I mean, that was a ball that was, for all intents and purposes, thrown at his face. It was, it was a gimme. It was a gimme ball that you, your receiver, you, you put your hands up, you, you put the diamond up, you you take the point inside the diamond, you secure it, you turn and go. And it went right off of his hands, in front of his face, up in the air and into the hands of MJ Devonshire. And Devonshire showed that speed that he showed at Aliquippa way back in the day when Matt Fargo and I, well, it wasn't that far back in the day, it was a few years ago, <laughs> when Matt Fargo and I used to call some of his games on 92-1 the, the Pickle 
for Aliquippa. He showed that speed off and just disappeared. Unbelievable play. Signature play to cap off a signature game. I was surprised how well West Virginia ran the ball against Pitt's defense. Was we talked about it. I was really impressed with that. We talked about it last week about how Pitt's front line is one of the best in the country, if not the best in the country. And we thought, okay, if West Virginia's going to do anything on offense, they're not going to be able to run the ball. And all they did was run the ball. And give West Virginia credit. They didn't do a bunch of crazy off-the-wall stuff. They just did the stuff that they knew worked for them. And if it worked once, they went back to it again. And if it worked again, they went back to it again. They they embodied the George Novak principle, as I like to call it. The George Novak principle, for those who don't know, George Novak, longtime head coach at Woodland Hills High School, mm-hmm. legend in this region and in the state of Pennsylvania in high school football. But George Novak had this thing where if he would call a play and it worked, He'd keep calling it till you stopped it. It's like the hurry-up offense in a video game. You kind keep of, doing it until your defense can stop but it. But, yeah, I mean, George Novak just kept – he would. I mean, it could be the same running play. If the other team couldn't stop it, he's going to call that same running play until they stopped it. West Virginia did that. They were just doing things that worked because Pitt couldn't stop them. It was simple out routes to Bryce Ford Wheaton, or they'd hit him on a post route, or they would just run the ball, and they ran the ball very effectively. I was absolutely stunned. Mm-hmm. How well number 12, who was a converted tight end, got moved to running back, was yeah. able to just run the ball all over them. I don't remember his name now. I, I give credit to Neil Brown. I give credit to Graham Harrell and that, that offensive staff. They did an outstanding job of putting together not only a game plan that Pitt might not have seen coming, but also finding a rhythm and getting into it and, and having that well of things that were successful. And go into the well when they had to. They they did absolutely as well as they possibly could have. And it's it's kind of disappointing to see it end, or not end, but see the, the tide turn on a play like that, that you had seen made so many times before that, during that game, that Bryce Ford Wheaton, the one pass that he doesn't catch in a key moment, is, that is the one, one that, that turns the tide for Costs them the football game. It's incredible. Um, You brought up Neil Brown. There have been a lot of things talked about from that game and a lot of things that have gone his way and another thing that didn't go his way. And it was punting the ball on fourth and inches and giving the ball back to Pitt with a seven-point lead. Pitt goes down the field, tie the game. West Virginia gets the ball back, and they turn it over. A lot of people mad at him for not going for it on fourth and inches at about the 50-yard line. Where do you stand on that? Would you have gone for it, or would you have punted? You're up seven at this point. Here's the thing I have with decisions like that. Because we've seen other coaches, other coaches in this city, by the way, in previous years, in similar situations, they make the other decision. And they get ripped for it. And they get ripped for it. <laughs> yeah. And it's one of those things that's like, look, if you're Neil Brown, it's it's the fourth quarter. You've got a seven-point lead. You're on the road. Now, there's two different ways you can look at it. As a coach, you can say, hey, let's just work on preserving the lead and going from there. Because it wasn't like Pitt's offense was really shredding them that badly throughout the course of the game. They only scored three points in the first half. Right. Until they got to towards the end of the half, and then it was, what, 10-10 at halftime? Yeah. Am, am, I, am I remembering that right? It was 10-10 at halftime. So it, it, for the most part, for most of the first half, Pitt's offense hadn't really torn them up that greatly. So if you're looking at it from that perspective and say, hey, our defense has kept us ahead for most of this game. Let's ride them and see what happens. Because coaches are on the field. They see... What's on the field, and they see what's happening and what's been going on and the decisions that they've made and things that have worked for them. They've seen that. 
they're not looking at it on a screen with an with a, a vantage point that's specifically chosen for a camera because you can see so much of the field. They have their vantage point and what's been happening and working for them all day. And for Neil Brown, if you're thinking, hey, our defense got us this far, let's ride him one last time and play the field position game, I don't blame him for that. At the same time, you could sit there, if, if it's me, if it's fourth and inches, and I'm not in field goal range, I'm going for it. That's just me. Uh, consider me Kevin Kelly, if you will, the uh, the old coach from Pulaski Academy in Arkansas who never, never punted if it was fourth and within a certain number of yards. <laughs> consider me Kevin Kelly if you want to. But if I'm not in field goal range, if I'm on the plus side of the field and I've got the lead and I can keep the ball and possibly run the clock out or or create a two-touch, uh, two-possession two advantage, best believe I'm doing what I can to keep the football. I would go for it personally. But here's the thing. If on the drive following pit-tying the game, if on that drive for West Virginia, if Bryce Ford Wheaton secures the pass that we just talked about, Five minutes ago, and it doesn't land in MJ Devonshire's hands. We're not talking about the punting decision because at that point, West Virginia had been moving down the field again. So the punt situation is moot if Bryce Ford Wheaton catches a ball that doesn't end up in MJ Devonshire's hands. So we could sit here and say, well, that decision changed the game. No. The drop pass that turned into an interception is what changed the that, game. That 100% is what changed the game. I, I look at it from both sides. You go for it because you're West Virginia in the backyard brawl in Pittsburgh at the 50-yard line with a seven-point lead. You get it. You can burn more clock and try and run this thing out. If you don't get it, Pitt's got the ball at the 49-yard line. they got a short field to go, and you just played defense. Like It was a pretty quick possession. You just played defense, mm-hmm. and you got to bring them back out now on a short field. Exactly. I, and the punt was great. They downed it at the five-yard line. They Pitt did everything, went 95 yards. They did everything on paper that you need to do to be in that position to be successful. We can sit here after the fact and say, oh, it didn't work, so it was a bad idea. No. It, it, the fact that it didn't work wasn't a reflection on WVU. It was a reflection on Pitt actually putting together a good drive. It, it just, we, we, can't, we, we, we can't get out of our way sometimes with this whole, okay, so something that didn't go your way must have been your fault and not credit the other team. Yes. Because the other team is out there to do the opposite of what you're trying to do. So if they were able to succeed at the very disadvantageous position that you put them in, tip your hat, keep it moving. And that's what WVU tried to do until that interception. Then things started to look a lot worse for them. And WVU was driving in that final drive when they got the ball back and a pass that goes short that they originally call a catch. And some WVU fans still think it was a catch when there's evidence that it wasn't no, a catch. No, that's not a catch. Like, stop. I understand you wanted your team it to bounced. win, but no, it hit yeah. the ground. Yeah. Like, stop acting like you don't know what the rules say. It hit the ground. But, but stop. truly, truly an unreal way to kick off the new rivalry of the backyard brawl. I mean, that was everything you could have asked for in a football game as a Pitt fan and I'd say as a West Virginia fan, other than the fact that you lost on the interception. That's also a great way to kick off a new season on a Thursday night nationally televised football game. That's a great way to kick off the season. We could have had a better play-by-play announcer, but I'll get over it. (laughs) I got nothing for that one. I'm not that particular. Moving moving on, Uh, we owe an apology to a football team. We're we're just going to put it out there. Let's do it now. Georgia. Yeah, the Bulldogs. We we need to acknowledge the tribal chief, the Roman reigns of college football. It is it is time we acknowledge the tribal chief and we formally apologize. We're really sorry we that are, we angered you. We are we are very <laughs> sorry. Please do not take it out on the rest of the college football world 
They're playing because... an FCS school this week. They're playing Samford. <laughs> Hey, Sanford took Florida to the brink before. That's all I'm saying. I'm that, kidding. That's not happening. No, that's not happening. <laughs> that's not happening with the Roman Reigns of college football. So let us formally acknowledge, A, we, A, we acknowledge the presence of the tribal chief, Georgia, the Roman Reigns of college football, and we acknowledge Georgia as the head of the table. Second of all, we apologize for ever doubting in a million years that Georgia couldn't cover a number as comparatively minuscule as 17 17 (laughs) points against the likes of a team led by Bo Nix at quarterback in a game that's being played (laughs) just up the road from their own home stadium. Georgia, we underestimated you. We're sorry. (laughs) Let's recap for those who don't know what we're talking about. Georgia was favored by 17. They won by what? 40, 46. 46? 49 to 3, the final. They didn't give up a touchdown. Nah. They could have, too. I mean, uh, McDonough said, you know, for a lot of people, this is a pretty big fourth and goal because <laughs> the over under was 55 and a half, and it was 49 to 3. There's another game that happened in, too, where the announcer made it, made it a point to say, hey, this could be a very important player. This could be a very important decision. The first time I heard that this season was when Florida State was playing Duquesne. Yes. And Florida State on their final their final possession of the game decided that they didn't want to try to go for the fourth down. They punted to Duquesne and allowed Duquesne to cover 41 and a half points. Thank you. They allowed Duquesne to cover the spread, but the announcer clearly said, hey, this could be a very important decision to some people out there. And you're going, yep, they're mentioning the betting line. <laughs> they have to. It's everywhere now. They have to. Like, they they really do. They know. Yeah. It's no longer It's no longer the elephant in the room. No. It's no longer the skeleton in the closet. They literally have the line next to the matchups now yeah. on their like college scoreboard show. Yeah, the elephant, They're like, let's look at the slate for the rest of the day, and there's all the scoring lines. The elephant no longer is like sitting in the corner. The elephant's serving food now. So after week one has come to a close now, yes, it. I think it's fair to say it's Alabama and it's Georgia. Again, I think, I think they're going to run it back. I don't see any team that can stand in their way. Like, we saw Clemson struggle with Georgia Tech for about three quarters on Monday night. Sure did. A DJ Uliagile is still terrible. If they go with the freshman, I think I give them a better chance than with this guy. He can't throw. He's not good. I wasn't impressed with Clemson. I wasn't wasn't really impressed with Ohio State. No, their offense was terrible. I was not impressed. There were just some things that weren't that kosher to me. I get it. It's a two versus a five, but you're at home. And you took forever to actually score a touchdown. I mean, Notre Dame was kind of in control for the first half of that game. After a blocked punt, they scored a touchdown. They were in control until C.J. Stroud finally started doing some things offensively. Now, I can't lie. I knew in the back of my mind that Notre Dame's strength would probably be their defense. Their head coach, head coach is Marcus Freeman, their former defensive coordinator before Brian Kelly left. So it was going to be, you know, there was going to be some emphasis on that defense being one of the focal points on that team. I anticipated it as much, but I also anticipated Ohio State's offense to be a lot more athletically inclined mm-hmm. to score more points when called upon, and they did not. I agree, and it was frustrating because you and I both took Ohio State minus seventeen and pick them, and they didn't cover. Because they couldn't do anything on offense for the first couple of drives. I mean, that first half, I'm sitting there like, this is Ohio State. They're at home. 
They have no points. They're not. They have no touchdowns. Funny part is, I was watching the replay of that game Sunday at my cousin's house at a cookout. I'm there with my family. My brother and my sister-in-law are there. My brother lives in Cleveland now. Um, his two boys are six and five. Uh, the six-year-old who might who may be my protege, by the way. It's a good possibility. What do you mean? Um, he he already made a video to be the Cavs, the Cleveland Cavaliers junior reporter. Oh, really? This kid, yeah. He was talking about basketball. Loves basketball. Loves football. But that's awesome. They've been in Cleveland for about two, three years now. Mm-hmm. So he's come of age and and discovered sports living in Ohio. So my nephew is an Ohio State fan now. I'm still processing. It. I told my brother, I'm like, I, I don't know how I feel about it yet. Better than a Michigan fan. And that's what I said. I was like, it could be worse. He could be a Michigan fan, in which case I may have to disown him. Not that I am Ohio State or Michigan like I favor either one. If anything, both fan bases annoy the absolute hell out of me. Yeah. But Ohio State is a little bit less annoying. That's fair. I also have more respect for Ohio State as a program. I really, really like Ryan Day as a head coach. I can throw that out there. I really like Ryan Day. He's good. He's really good. Especially when you're coaching at a program that has had some shady history with coaches in they, the past they, couple decades. They kind of had to blow it up with Trestle and Urban Meyer. <laughs> you, you've had some shady history when it comes to coaches. But Ryan Day, for all intents and purposes, seems to be a guy that runs a good, clean, talented program and just understands what's necessary in that landscape to be successful. I, I like him. I really so, do. So I will give us both a chance to change our playoffs because I think we both would like to add somebody and we both would like to remove somebody. Um, so you're telling me I can take Oregon out? Uh, that's what I'm doing. Oh, yeah. Oregon's gone. Oh, my God. Can we just swap out Oregon for Georgia? We're, I'm good here. I'm done. That's all I need. No other further adjustments need be made because I had what? Alabama, Ohio State, Oregon, and Baylor, right? I think so. Okay, take out Oregon, replace them with Georgia, and we'll never revisit this again. <laughs> we'll never discuss that I put Oregon above Georgia in my opening playoff bracket ever, ever. I think ever again. I think the best part was when you texted me and you go, wait a minute, Bo Nix is the quarterback for Oregon? <laughs> I totally forgot he transferred to Oregon. Meanwhile, last season, last season during college football remix, I'm like, Auburn needs to stop trying to make Bo Nix a thing. And then Oregon went and tried to make Bo Nix a thing. That's why Oregon lost, because they're trying to make Bo Nix a thing. I have. It didn't work for Auburn. It's going to work for Oregon now? So you've got Bama, OSU, Georgia, and Baylor. Uh, yes, I'm sticking with those four. I've got. Three of them won't let me down. I've got Bama, OSU, Pitt, and USC. I'm going to remove Pitt, and I'm going to put Georgia. In. You're, oh, you're 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 replacing Pitt with Georgia. Yes. I thought you were going to replace USC with Georgia. Wow. Here's why. Here's why. Because we just saw what the Pac-12 had. Uh, Utah lost to Florida. USC has a lot of weapons, especially in the transfer portal with Caleb Williams and Jordan Addison. Fair. And Oregon has Bo Nix. <laughs> USC might go undefeated in the Pac-12. I need to make a shirt that says stop trying to make Bo Nix a thing. I need to make that this shirt. This is the ghost of Bo Nix, by the way. This isn't Auburn Bo Nix. This is the ghost of Bo Nix. And I didn't want Auburn to make Auburn Bo Nix a thing. It's it's a shame because I don't want people to think that. Well, I don't want people to think I hate Bo Nix because I don't. No, he just sticks. I don't know them. It's just <laughs> I, I'm not expecting a, a program led by Bo Nix to be a playoff team. 
That's all I'm saying. And I'm removing Pitt because I think Florida State might actually win the ACC. Dear God. The Knolls look legit. Can we talk about that game? We're going to talk about it right now. <laughs> oh, my God. So Sunday night football, which was just a great game. It L- was. LSU, it Florida was State. And the Knolls are kind of rolling. And Brian, We're going to come off that big game, that big win against Duquesne the week before. <laughs> Brian Kelly comes out at halftime and <laughs> pretty much cover. pretty much has the Brian Kelly of Brian Kelly interviews. Well, we played about as worse as we possibly could. I don't think we could play much worse. Well, maybe we could, but I don't think it's possible. Well, you found a way to in the final seconds. So, Florida State running the ball fine, throwing the ball fine. Their defense is getting oh, stops left and right. Jaden Daniels from Arizona State is now the quarterback for LSU, mm-hmm. and their star receiver, Butte, isn't even running a route fully because he's mad he's not getting the ball. I mean, these guys are throwing fits, and FSU was like, all right, we'll just keep on yeah. taking control. Here comes, here comes LSU. They get it within seven. They fumbled the punt the second time this game. The Knowles recover at the five. You're like, well, that's game. Curtains. Right. And it's over. Honestly. And they run a toss play and fumble the ball at the one yard line. LSU recovers with a minute 10. They have no timeouts and they got to go 99 yards. And they did it. And they go 99 yards. They did it. Now, granted, they had to review a play, yes. which had nothing to do with anything. He didn't get out of bounds, but they still had a second left and they run up to the line and they can snap it before they move the chains. And if that play is ruled correctly, the game might have ended. So why would you review? Well, I guess they had to review it because they thought that maybe they would have put a, a ten second runoff or something. They they had to review it because they just got it wrong. I mean that's what. But it But they challenged it. It wasn't a boot yeah, review. And, and, he and, challenged. Yeah, it. and Florida State challenged it properly because they got this wrong. The kid that had the ball going out of bounds, his knee hit first where they went out. And so, they stopped the clock, and so it, this was a this was a grave error. What's LSU getting an untimed down for? Then they said they're going to get one more play. There's one second left because they had one second left in the clock. Because instead of them saying put one second left in the clock, they'll say Florida State had time for one play because they had to actually start the clock to let Florida State snap the ball. LSU. Or, but yes, LSU yeah. snapped the ball. That's pretty much what it was. So he hits him on a slant route in the end zone. It's and a great jo- play. And Joe Tessitore just had an epic call. It I was mean, a great call. I love Tessitore. Tessitore's good. People had a hard time with him on Monday Night Football because of the whole partners that he had. I get it. But Tessitore's very good. No, he's great with college so, football. I agree So they with that. score the touchdown. I'm texting you saying, dude, <laughs> go for two. You have been down this whole game. They just had to play defense for 99 yards. You've got all the momentum in the world. Go for two. I really thought they would. And he puts up a one. He puts up a one. It was the most Brian Kelly thing Brian Kelly could have done. Going going for one here, guys. And and it was was so matter-of-fact. It was just like (laughs) with the the adamant soccer mom face on one. I'm like, dude, win this game and get people off your back. Win the game. So they go for the extra point, and Tessator had an unbelievable line right before they kick it. You know, they've already had one kick block tonight. Hey, <laughs> that is the sign of a good announcer pointing that out. Snap, hold, and they blew up the offensive line, and they blocked the extra point. It was about as Brian Kelly of a loss as it gets. And it was glorious. That may not be the best part. No, what happened next was the best. The <laughs> aftermath that made it even better was that his press conference for this week, I believe that was what, Monday? It was Monday. Monday, he has his press conference for week two for his upcoming game. 
and a reporter comes in late. I and think he, a lot of them came in late. Uh, and he, he started lecturing All people of them. about coming in late. <laughs> and one reporter, I don't know who it was. I, I, I have not seen if that person has been identified. She and if has. They have, she she had, has. It was a she. Oh, my God. That's even better. Yes. And the fact that this this hero of a woman <laughs> had the gumption or just, the, you know, the, the the humor bone in her body, if you will, to come up with a snide enough remark to answer Brian Kelly in all of his smugness after losing a game, which, by the way, he had no damn business losing. <laughs> if, to lecture people about being late and this intrepid young lady. Responded with, when you win games, I'll start showing up on time. <laughs> here's here's the crazy what? here's the craziest part of that. It's the second week of the season. Week two. And she's got to talk to him all year or else she's not going to have stories with quotes. Well, you know what? Good on her. And that's what the hell he gets for running his mouth as if he did something in a game that you had no business losing. I And you I lost agree. by one point. And you try to act all smug and better than everybody and sanctimonious, and you got it thrown right back at you like, oh, no, wait a minute. I'm actually better at my job than you are. Screw you. Good for her. She tweeted stuff this week, so I know that she didn't get in trouble for this, and that he's still talking to her. I mean, they tweeted that, like, they're cool. But, yeah, I— what, the, what? What are they going to do, kick her out for bring up the fact that the coach lost and he was a I mean, douchebag? I mean, it's Brian Kelly. He might be, oh, she's never allowed back in ever again. You never know. It's Brian Kelly. Well, if that's the case, that after losing that game to Florida State, then all the boosters in AD should have like, well, that guy's not allowed back on the plane. <laughs> Maybe they want to pull a freaking, what's his face, uh, a freaking um, Lane Kiffin and leave him on the freaking tarmac when he gets back to Baton Rouge. All right, we got to move on. <laughs> Last thing before we get to NCAA hot sheet, and that's Pitt, Tennessee. Yeah. What do you think about this? So it's a, it's a six and a half point line. Pitt is a plus two ten dog yes. at home. The last time Pitt was a six and a half point dog at home. Do you know who they played and who the quarterback was? Let me guess. Miami with Kenny Pickett as the starter. No, no. Virginia Tech and Heaton Hooker, who's playing in this game, was the quarterback for over oh, Tennessee. For, oh. He was the quarterback for VT, quarterback for VT in that game. And wow. Pitt was a six-and-a-half-point dog. They won 43-16 outright. Wow. So, hmm. they're playing Tennessee at home, who they beat last year. By the way, I want to point this out. Tennessee. I, I brought up Miami with Kenny Pickett as the quarterback. Yes. That day, yes. I took Pitt on the money line as an underdog and hit huge. When he was the freshman? When they he was the freshman. put him into play? It was like plus 425 or plus 450. I put seventy five bucks down and won like three hundred. I don't fantastic. even think I was betting yet at that time. I was, I was betting in, back then. I was I betting was on in, Bovada. I was in college and I was studying for an exam because that was like a holiday weekend, and I was in my room doing homework or studying, and I'm watching the game. Like, man, Kenny Pickett's gonna do it. But yeah, yeah. So I was betting on Bovada back then. I, I got a pat on the back from of all people, our handicapping friend himself, Anthony Jaskolski. <laughs> come because I told him before the game, I was like, dude, I took Pitt at like plus four twenty five. <laughs> Like, seriously, I was like, I put 75 on Pitt plus 425. I got a feeling about this one. After the game, I walk in. He goes, there he is, Mr. Plus 425. I'm like, will you shut up? Stop telling everybody. I Sorry, mean, go ahead. I mean, he hit Oral Roberts in the tournament. I mean, he was just, he was ridiculous. <laughs> Anthony he Jazz. won a lot of money that day. Shout out to the homie. Um, So, back to the thing at hand. Yes, thing at hand. Sorry. That was my that what, was my tangent. What are your thoughts on this? Plus six and a half at home. They're plus two ten as a dog at home. Like I don't understand 
what the logic is. Pitt beat West Virginia. Mm-hmm. Tennessee beat Ball State. Mm-hmm. What what is what is the big difference here? Let's go back to when these two teams met in Knoxville last season. Okay, Pitt beat Tennessee down in Knoxville. Correct. It, they had Kenny Pickett. They had Kenny Pickett. <laughs> that is the difference. And Tennessee has Herndon Hooker now. And they had uh, Milton that game. Right. And so it stands to reason that Pitt can probably be successful against Herndon Hooker the second time. Now I'll make the argument that SEC guys are probably going to be a little bit of a better compliment than guys at Virginia Tech. That's all I'm going to say for that. True. Just for the sake of general argument. Yes. However, Pitt is a six and a half point underdog. I'm going to run to the booth with that every time. And if you can tease it, you should be tripping over yourself to try to tease that. If you could tease that six, God, six and a half points if you could, you could tease that somehow to 13? Oh, man, give me that every day. Twice on Sunday. Even though college football normally isn't played on Sunday, but you get my point. <laughs> wow. So you, so do you think Pitt can win this game outright? Yes, absolutely. I think they should be the favorite. I really do. I and- think they should be the favorite also because the thing Pitt did not do as successfully, I think, well, I should say in one particular instance, they didn't do as well because they ran the ball well with one of their three running backs. Who is out. Who is now out. <laughs> yeah. No Rodney Hammond. But right. they ran the ball well with Rodney Hammond. They did that part well. The other two running backs not so successful. I'd like to think that's not going to be something that happens every week. I'd also like to think that the offensive line is not going to be under the kind of assault that Dante Stills put them under yes. every week. I think that'll be a better result. And I also think Pitt's defensive line will be a little bit more successful at getting after the other team's quarterback, too. Is Alexander going to play, more than likely? Desmond Alexander playing will be really important. Yes. But here's the thing. <laughs> Desmond Alexander got hurt, and John Morgan the third. He just turned into the kingpin and went crazy. Like, it didn't matter. <laughs> the kingpin. John Morgan came in and went nuts. Like, it, it was not even a th- It wasn't even an issue. Right. The way John Morgan played. And the way, you know, some of these other guys play. Devonshire comes in and, and, and does what he does. I mean, that shows you how deep this team is. I agree. Or at least that defensive line and that defense as a unit. They got a lot of depth and experience, and they can really give Tennessee problems. That's why I'm sitting there thinking, pick and win this game outright. I'm not even bringing the offense to the equation yet. Just the fact that I don't think this defense is going to allow Tennessee to score more than they allow West Virginia to. This was a game that Pitt probably should have lost. Actually, they they definitely should have lost. They should have lost West Virginia. If Bryce Ford Wheaton doesn't drop the ball. They should have lost that game. Absolutely. They still come out and win the game. They gave up 31 points and still won the game. And scored 31 points. Scored 38 points. Well, their offense scored 31. Yes. Their defense yes. scored seven. Yes. And Narduzzi, it's always good to, to separate those two. Narduzzi says, we got a lot to work on. They had a week to do it. They had a longer week to do it now because that game was Thursday. Yes. With this game being played Saturday on ABC, 330. And I think, that's an advantage. I think Pitt comes out guns blazing, and I think they're going to win this game. They should be a lot sharper. They should have fixed a lot of things that have gone wrong, and the problems that they have were all solvable. They're all solvable problems, and I think they'll fix it up. Okay. Let's go to Hot Sheet. Last week. Last (laughs) week was rough for us. We picked what? Eight games. Eight games last week? And we went three and five. We went three and five, including that most horrible pick that we will never speak of ever again. (laughs) We have already apologized for, and we are now moving on past. How about Dabo getting the cover? (laughs) (laughs) Dabo getting the cover was probably the best thing that happened for us on Hot Sheet all week long. I mean, 
they had that game at hand, and he goes, hey, second string quarterback, go get them a cover. I know a lot of people took us tonight. Just just go cover. Go, go, send, the, <laughs> go send the fans home happy. All right, we're starting with a good one, and I know where you're going with this, and you know where I'm going with this. 12 o'clock noon, Saturday, Bama, Texas. We've been waiting for this game for a year since they announced this game. <laughs> Alabama, minus 20. I don't know how this line hasn't moved, but I'm taking the tide, and they might win by 40. How is this only 20? Like, how, how is this line? How did it get to 20? How many people are betting that much on Texas to move this line down to 20 points? It's it's insane. It really is. That might have been my halftime line. I think it was, was 20 points. I think it opened at 23 and a half and it has dropped to 20. <laughs> Once again, running, running to the booth at Alabama minus 20. All right, so I know where you're going with that one. Uh, <laughs> Pitt, we talked about this already, but Pitt plus six and a half. I'm taking Pitt. Oh, Pitt at home plus six and a half, absolutely. Okay, cool. Ohio is at Penn State. The Nittany Lions minus 24 and a half against the Maction. Where are you going with this? I'm thinking... I'm thinking this is more of a 21-22 type situation. I don't know if I trust Penn State's offense to do that much to beat Ohio University by 24 and a half or something else I'll point out. And this is another situation where we, we talked about Florida State and LSU and they mentioned Florida State coming off that big win last week against Duquesne. Well, there was a game Ohio you didn't cover last year that looked pretty bad on their resume and that was at home when they lost to Duquesne. So, <laughs> I'm of two minds about this. I don't know if I trust Penn State's offense to score enough points on top of their defense holding Ohio U down. Because that defense is really, really good. And they, they rose up in the fourth quarter to get the ball back from Purdue and put themselves in position to win that game. And that game, I want to say they scored 30-plus against Purdue, though. Did they not? Penn State? Yeah. Yeah. They won... Uh, the 34 to 31? For 35 no, to 31? No, it was a, it was a four-and-a-half point spread, and I think they covered by a point, didn't they? I thought it was... was it, 35 to 31 was the final score. Hang on, I'm going right now. I want to say it was 21-38 when Penn State got the ball and they drove and scored that touchdown with Kevon Lee. My app is being weird. Come on. Big 10, week one, 35-31. 35-31. It was three and a half, not four and a half. They They covered the three and a half. They did cover, yes. I'm taking Penn State at home. I think they're going to roll. Penn State at home. They scored 35 on the road against Purdue. They should keep Ohio U off the scoreboard. This is one of those games where the other team probably shouldn't score a touchdown. So where are you going? I'll go with Penn State with the 24 and a half. Okay. Because right. Right, my mind, I'm sitting there going, I know they can cover maybe a 21 and a half, 22. 24 and a half kind of scared me because that means they have to win by 25. Yeah. Okay. All right. We got to speed this up because we still got another segment to go. Uh, your Hogs hosting ah. South Carolina minus eight and a half. Taking uh, Arkansas, I'm guessing. Three words. Woo, pig, suey. Taking the Hogs, if you didn't guess. Yeah, I'm taking. I'm going to take Arkansas as well. Although, South Carolina's a pretty good quarterback, I heard. This is true. Um, this is true. They got him in the transfer portal, and I don't remember who it is now. Oh, but, wait. It's it's the uh, kid from Oklahoma. Ah. Uh, it's, uh, oh, what's his name? That's Spencer Rattler. Yeah, it? Spencer Rattler. Yeah. That's who it is. But I'm, KJ I'm, Jefferson. No, I'm still taking the Hogs. I'm taking the Hogs. 
10, uh, uh, Kentucky at Florida. Florida upset Utah. The game is at the Swamp. Florida minus 5.5. I'm going to take Florida. Kentucky and Mark Stoops, eh? Kentucky might have more to prove than people give them credit for. And I don't know if I trust Florida in the swamp against a team that's not Utah when Utah had plenty of chances to win that game. You said minus five and a half? Yes. Kentucky. I'm going to go with the Wildcats here. I got a, I got a feeling. I like their quarterback. Who, who should be the quarterback at Penn State? This is also honest. true. You see where I'm going with this. I like that kid. Yeah. I like Will. Levis so, is good. I like Will Levis. Uh, I'm, I'm a fan. USC at Stanford. It's USC minus eight and a half, and this might be my play of the week. I think USC rolls in this one. I even hate to say this because I love David Shaw. He may be my favorite college football coach at Stanford. Over your guy at Minnesota? Oh, yeah. Oh, I've, I've, I love David Shaw before I love Over PJ Fleck. Oh, yeah, definitely. What? I've been a David Shaw guy for years. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I'm a big David Shaw guy. Um, whew. I hate to say this, but I got, I got to take USC over my guy. And yeah, yeah, David Shaw over PJ Fleck. They're True just story. They're just too loaded. Yeah. Uh, Baylor at BYU to close it out. This is a 10-30 kick. I'm pretty sure it's BYU minus four and a half. Baylor at BYU and BYU is minus four and a half. Correct. Oh, Baylor. They're they're my playoff team. I yeah, take I know you do. Them winning outright wins for me. I'm gonna change. I'm gonna change it up. I'm gonna go BYU at home. Shout, just, out, shout out to Chris Hoke. Just because I can. And Fair that enough. and that wraps up segment one. We will come back and we'll talk NFL because guess what? Tomorrow night it's Bills and Rams. The NFL is back. Wow. And we're talking about it coming up next. You're listening to the Sunday Morning Grind Podcast, a show where we talk about sports both on the Pittsburgh level locally, but also around the sporting world as well. We have a little fun with it, by the way, too. You can download the Sunday Morning Grind on iTunes, Google Podcast, Anchor, or Spotify, basically anywhere you get your podcasts from. Now let's get back to the show. Welcome back. Episode number 45 of the Sunday Morning Grind Podcast, of course, being released on a Thursday because Sunday night, uh, Thursday night football. It's a Sunday night. It's weird. Thursday night football kicking off the season. Bills and Rams. We'll get into that in just a moment. But before we do that, we got to get into our Steelers season preview where we do the thing that a lot of people hate before the season starts. But I think they hate it because most of the time when people do it, it's like May when the schedule comes out. (laughs) Now the preseason's come and gone. Now we've seen what this team looks like for the most part. And now we know what other teams look like. So we're going to do this before the season actually kicks off. There's a much big, bigger difference. I just like doing it because I look really smart when they win the game that I said they should win. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Although last year, Buffalo to kick off the season. I think we both got that one wrong. That one was rough. <laughs> I think everyone got that one wrong. So are we picking? We'll go straight up or spread. We'll go straight up, straight right? Up. Yeah. Straight up. Yeah, because we do spread during hot sheet. Yeah, and spread's harder <laughs> to tell because you don't know all the underlying issues. Correct. Okay, so they're opening up with the Bengals this Sunday. Here's the thing. It's going to be bad weather from what I've seen. It's yeah. supposed to be stormy and rainy. and yeah, It's going to be ugly. It's going to be a slog. It's going to be ugly. I think the Steelers might actually go into Cincinnati and win this game. 
I think the fact that the weather could play a factor plays into the Steelers' hands. I think at the very least they cover the spread even if they don't win it. I still have this feeling Cincinnati wins it, though. You're taking the Bengals? I'm taking the Bengals. And because I had expected it to, to be the Bengals long before I knew about the weather. Okay. That's fair. I mean, originally I was going to take Cincinnati, but the Steelers went to Buffalo last year and won. They did, <laughs> but it took a lot of things that happened, and that defense went off. And the special teams made a huge play to win that game. So, otherwise, on the road, I don't know if I trust this offense as much right now. That's so, fair. Yeah, I That's trust fair. the defense, just not the offense as much. Uh, home opener against the Patriots in Week 2. I'm I, taking the Steelers. I got the Steelers, too. I, the, what am I seeing from the Patriots that should make me trust them right now? Do you really fear Mac Jones? No, I don't. absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely. I don't fear anything on that offense right now. They Nothing. can they can probably they might be able to establish a run game if the Steelers run defense stinks, but I don't think it will this year. I love Hunter Henry, woo pig, but I don't fear anything <laughs> on that offense. Miles Jack's gonna eat those guys up alive. It'll be it'll be fun. <laughs> All right, so we both got the Steelers over the Patriots. We go to week three. The Thursday night game against the Browns. They will I win that game. I'm taking the Steelers. They will win that game. There there's I, I don't Who's the does, starter quarterback? Does Jacoby Brissett scare you? It doesn't scare me. No, no, not at all. <laughs> all right. We've got one difference so far. I'm moving on. They're hosting the Jets. Which you get them 3-0 could... after three weeks. Wow. Yes, I do. Wow. That is kind of weird. That's a little scary. <laughs> wow. Um, They're hosting the Jets next, and Zach Wilson is iffy to play that game. If Joe Flacco is at quarterback, and this isn't Ravens Joe Flacco, it's the ghost of Joe the Flacco. The ghost of Joe Flacco. <laughs> I'm taking the Steelers either way. Even, even if, if Zach Wilson, even if plays, Zach Wilson I still plays, say, I still say Steelers. Absolutely. Okay, so you got them at three and one through four, and I've got them at four and zero. Wow. <laughs> I, I'm going to be honest with you. My Bengals pick is strictly because they went into Buffalo last year and they pulled it off, and yeah. I think that they could do the same thing against the Bengals in a crappy weather kind of deal, That's where fair. Burrow can't throw the ball all around because it's raining. Yeah. That's why I'm taking them. Now, the question is, in week five, do I expect the Steelers to go back to Buffalo and win again? The answer is no. <laughs> I do not. I have them losing and falling to three and two. <laughs> Just saying. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and go with you on that one. <laughs> Then week week six, October sixteenth, afternoon game, Buccaneers and Steelers at oh. Acrisure Stadium. Here's the one that's gonna throw a lot of people off. I got the Steelers winning this one. I've got Tampa. Brady in Pittsburgh, regular season in October. It's not good. <laughs> it's not good for most teams. Steelers tend to do well against Brady at home. This is Brady though with a loaded offense with Tampa. Well, Will he have Chris Godwin back? I'm not so sure, but... It's a couple of weeks down the road, but yeah. And will this be the same Tom Brady we've always seen? I still think it is. <laughs> I, I, He'll have Giselle on his mind during TV timeouts, but when he's on the field, he's still Tom freaking Brady. I just have I've reason to question whether or not Tampa's the same Tampa we saw two years ago. I And it's I not all Brady. It's just it's the team around him. That's too. fair. Hey, if they win that game... I'll be very happy. Yeah, that's a big win that puts them at 4-2 and two in my book. All right, they go to Miami for a Sunday night football game. They will win that game. Sunday not, night game in October, Mike Tomlin, he wins. I'm not buying the Dolphins hype that people are trying to make a thing. I'm taking the Steelers. I don't I don't care if they have Tyreek Hill running free or, or like, you know, starting behind the line and going in motion forward like in the Canadian Football League. <laughs> he still won't be a factor enough for them to win this game. 
at Philadelphia on Devil's Night. That's a little scary, but it's it's during the daytime. During the daytime. <laughs> I got him, what, five and two after seven weeks? I think they might actually lose this one, which I hate to say because it's the Eagles, but for some reason, Philly has had the Steelers' number, especially at Lincoln Financial. Mobile quarterback. Philly's got a pretty good defense. I say Steelers lose this one. They drop to five and three. Okay. Both taking the Eagles then? Mm-hmm. That's weird. <laughs> I would never take the Eagles, but doing it. Uh, okay. If after, they were at home, I'd take the Steelers. Yeah. After a bye week, they host the Saints. They win this game. If they play it in New Orleans, they lose it. But they're playing it at home. Come off a of bye week. They'll have two weeks to prepare for it. I love the Saints defense. Am I afraid of their offense as much with Jameis Winston? No, I am not. Steelers win this one. They improve to what would that make them six and three? Six and three. Yeah. And I have them at seven and two. Okay. Uh yeah, I'm, I'm taking them as well, by the way. Then they host the Bengals on Sunday night football. Sunday night football in November at home, primetime TV. Mike Tomlin does not lose. I'll say Steelers are seven and three. Or stir no. Yeah. Yeah, seven and three. I'm going to take the Steelers as well, which means I have them sweeping the Bengals. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, you are a brave man. Might need to go back in my week one prediction, <laughs> but I'm I'm sticking with it for now. Uh, then my favorite game of the year, Josh, Steelers, Colts, Monday Night Football. You know I'll be locked in. It is in Indy. Matt Ryan at quarterback, but I think Jonathan Taylor just might be too much to handle. I'm going to take the Colts. I'm going Colts here, too, even though it is Monday Night Football. It is primetime. I said Mike Tomlin primetime usually wins. They're on the road in the game that it's going to be a problem with them. For some odd reason, Indy on the road for this team is not easy, especially at nighttime. I'll go with the the Colts. Steelers drop two, what, six and four? Yeah. The way way that I look at it, though, like they've played some sloppy games against bad quarterbacks for the Colts in Indy. Matt Ryan's not going to be bad with this team. I think he can actually be really good. So I'm taking the Colts. Oh, wait, that'll make them 7-4. Sorry. They go to Atlanta next. I'm taking the Steelers. Um, Mariota don't scare me, uh, and neither does Ritter. They can play this game on the moon, and the Steelers would win it. They'll be 8-4. and four. That'll be interesting spread because people don't buy the Steelers, but I know they don't buy the Falcons, but it's in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. You might get the Steelers as a dog in this one. Possibly. You might. They'll win it straight up, so... <laughs> Yeah. It, it won't matter. Okay. Um and, and will Desmond Ritter be starting by then? Yeah, that's what I that's what I wonder too. Finally, they play the Ravens all the way into December. Mm-hmm. They're finally playing Baltimore at home, Sunday, December eleventh. I'm gonna take the Steelers to lose this one. Ravens come into Acrisure and win this one. I say they win this one and improve to nine and four, but they lose the second one. They lose the rematch. You're taking the Steelers? Yes. Okay. So he'll be I hope you're right. <laughs> nine and four. Then they head to Carolina and take on Baker Mayfield and the Panthers. On the count of three. <laughs> <laughs> One, two, three. Steelers. Steelers. <laughs> and so, I I don't know, man. Ten some, and four. Wow. Some some people said, man, this schedule's terrible for them. It's really not that bad. They've got some tough games, sure, but they do. it's not that bad. They got some cupcakes with Atlanta, with the Jets. You're facing the NFC South and the AFC East. How do you not come out of this with at least a it's winning It's not record? that bad. You're going to win six of those eight games. You should. <laughs> you should. Okay, here comes the fun one. Christmas Eve, 
Immaculate Reception game, 8-15, and they're playing the Raiders. The Raiders. I'm taking the Steelers, man. Franco's going to be in the building. They're going to be retiring his jersey. They're going to be fired up for this one, Steelers over the Raiders. It's going to be an emotional night. It'll be a holiday weekend. It'll be Christmas Eve. 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception. They're retiring Franco's number. They're wearing the Block 72 jer- the Block 72 jerseys. Just, and I think they lose to the Raiders. What? I think they lose to the Raiders. Josh, it's a night game. I know. They don't lose night games prime at home. Primetime <laughs> night game at home. I know. I'm, you, I'm going against my own principles do you think, here. You think it's because they feed Devontae too much? <laughs> I think the Raiders will feed Devontae. <laughs> yeah. But I think the Raiders, as far as roster, won, run won the 53 They've got some pieces the Steelers either don't have or can't stop. I got them. I got them winning a close one. It'll be tight. It's a good pick, honestly. Like I'm not. I'm not that stunned because the Raiders are going to be pretty good this year. Okay, Week 17. They're at the Ravens. You already said you're taking Baltimore in this one. They will lose back to back games. I think that's the only time this season they will lose back to back games. I'm going to take Baltimore too, which means I have the Ravens sweeping the Steelers, but I have the Steelers sweeping the Bengals. That's that is crazy. weird. That is crazy. <laughs> so it has them at what? Ten and five or ten and six in my book. I've got them at eleven and five. Yeah, I'm, I'm at ten and six. Yep. Yeah. And then they finish the season against Cleveland, and I think they win that game against Cleveland at home, week seventeen. Possibly playoffs on the line. They win it. They improve to eleven and six and make the playoffs. I've got them going twelve and five. You got them going eleven and six. Mm-hmm. I don't think that that's outlandish at all. There are people that go, oh, they're going to win eight. They're going to go eight and nine. You know what that Stop. means. You know Stop. what that means if they go twelve and five and sweep the Bengals. You, you realize that means they win the division. Yep. Okay. And originally I had that. Wow. And then you had me switch it. <laughs> I didn't have to switch it. I just told you I didn't you, agree with it. You talked me out of it. <laughs> I, I gave you my side of it, and I said 11-6, and six, and they make the playoffs probably taking second place. Because I can see them splitting with the Bengals. I see them splitting with the Ravens and sweeping Cleveland. That's four wins in the division, which is good, by the way. It's four and two in the division. I like that. That's a winning record, and winning you record. will take that against the division. <laughs> I'll take a winning record against the division, and I'll take... Four of the eleven wins coming in your division. When um, the other seven of those wins, six of them will probably come against teams in the AFC West and NFC South, or AFC East and NFC South. I'm really excited for Steelers Bucks. It's gonna be a good game. Like, I think that's the game I'm most excited for, minus Steelers Colts, just because I'm Colts fan second. I think that's I think Steelers Bucks is the game that I'm most excited about because that's the game where either things are going to gel and we see a few things that we didn't expect to see or things will fall apart. I mean, can you imagine There's no if, in between. Can you imagine if TJ Cam and Miles are just destroying Tom Brady? I could see that <laughs> happening. I could easily see it to where the Steelers are having a strong enough defensive game where even if they're not chasing Tom Brady down in fear for his life, that they're at least making some key plays whether on third downs or maybe they get a stop or two in the red zone and hold the Bucks to a field goal. I can see that happening in this game. And them giving the opportunity for the offense to come back and, and take advantage of it with their own with on their own home field with the ball. I see it. Yep. That's a that's that's a signature Mike Tomlin win. That's the win that Mike Tomlin's not supposed to get, but he's going to he get gets. it. Yep. That's the one. Yep. I think the one that he's not supposed to get that he gets is week 1 against the Bengals. <laughs> I, I think the one that he's supposed to win and he loses is against the Raiders on Chris, on Christmas Eve. There's your one. I don't know if he's supposed to win that one. The Raiders are really good. Some will tell you he's not supposed to. Steeler fans will tell you he's supposed to. Okay. Um, Remember, there's two different there's two different lenses when it comes to Mike Tomlin. You're right. Uh, 
Bills, Rams, tomorrow night. We finally get to talk about Thursday night football on the show. Yeah. We haven't done that this whole time because we're always recording on Thursday night before kickoff. Dude. This, this might be my favorite game of the season, and it's week one. This is this is the game right here. I'll go on a limb and say this should have been the Super Bowl. Is this the the Vaughn Miller revenge game where he no where he goes he after, won a Super Bowl. where he goes after Stafford and he's like, hey, you guys should have kept me. <laughs> I mean, he got. I, I, I'd leave too if I were him. Buffalo paid him a ton of money to go there, and they gave him a lot of years. Yeah, you're right. He's probably not finishing that contract. I mean, even if he does, God bless him. But still, I mean, I don't think if it's a revenge game for him, I think it's just, hey, we wanted we wanted championship together, and I went to go get paid and secure my last bag. I'm mad at the man. Now he's got a chance to win another one. Maybe two or three in Buffalo because Buffalo's going to be loaded for probably half a decade. So, and I'll say this again: this probably should have been the Super Bowl last year. It should have, if, if over- not for one ridiculous <laughs> short drive by the Chiefs in the in the in overtime in the playoffs in overtime. Yep. It, we're probably not talking about that game happening the way it did. So, I mean, the storyline's pretty clear. It's the high-powered offense of the Bills against this stud. Star-studded defense of the Rams and a pretty talented offense of the Rams too. Let's not let's not. And the Bills have a good defense too. But yeah. I'm saying I think the matchup is: Can the Rams slow down Josh Allen? These are the best two rosters in the league on either side of the ball. In either this conference. very well could be the Super Bowl this year. It, it should have been the Super Bowl last year. It could be the, Super, could Bowl be the Super Bowl this year. I don't disagree. Where do you see it going? They're playing this one in L.A. It's in L.A. Bills win this one, man. Josh Allen's going to be pissed off. I think they do, too. I Josh think... Allen's pissed off. Their defense will be better because they got Von Miller. <laughs> and they, they upload it on offense. They upload. They upgrade it on offense. They've got a lot of depth at just about every position. Even without Tredavious White, they win this game. I'm taking Buffalo as well. It's They're, they're a two-and-a-half-point favorite in Los Angeles. I think that's all you need to know. If they're playing, That means if they're <laughs> playing it in Buffalo, they're probably a six-point favorite. Josh Allen is just too good. To get uh to get flustered by this kind of defense, he's too good. He's got too many weapons. I mean, can the Rams really stop Diggs and Davis and Knox? No, I don't think they can. And Josh Allen is now in a position that Matt Stafford was in last year. You know, they they had the Rams had all the pieces and just needed the quarterback. Buffalo had the quarterback and needed to add the pieces, and they did that. So now both teams are you got two fully functional battle stations, if you will. That's that's how that's how I feel about it. I'm looking forward to it. I know you're looking forward to it. Absolutely. NFL kickoff tomorrow night. Bills Rams. It's going to be a fun one. Okay. Steelers Bengals this Sunday in Cincinnati. I've got the Steelers winning, so I guess I got to tell you why. Okay. And you've got the Bengals winning, and you got to tell us why. Well, I mean, we, do we know the spread for that one? It's the Bengals minus six and a half. Bengals minus six and a half. I'll, I'll give you my pick. Okay. Oh, I thought you were going to go first. Sorry. Oh, so I think the Steelers are going to win this game because of the weather and because the defense is going to come out guns blazing and they're going to win them a football game. And I think the offensive line was so bad in the preseason that everyone's like, well, the offensive line, they're not going to be able to block anybody. Like, come on. Eventually, they're going to figure it out. And I hope that in week one, they at least get something going offensively. They can move the ball, get Najee running the ball effectively against the Bengals' defense. And if you can just get an early lead, I really trust this defense in a rainy game to stop Joe Mixon and make Burrow have to make throws in rain and make stops. Here's why I have the Bengals winning this game for a lot of the reasons you just laid out. Going to be a pretty physical, lot of running and defensive game. 
in raining conditions, but they're on the road in Cincinnati. Do you know what it comes down to? The kickers and who has the ball last. Uh-huh. And Evan McPherson's going to be the guy kicking the ball for Cincinnati on his home stadium, and he knows that turf better than any other kicker should, even though he's matched up against Chris Boswell, who just got the second-best uh, contract for a kicker after Justin Tucker just read up with Boston. Uh, Justin Tucker re-up with Buffalo. Uh, Jeez, Baltimore. Boston, Buffalo, <laughs> Baltimore. He re-upped with Baltimore. The three Bs. Yes. The, the, the goat kicker just re-upped with the Ravens. But Boswell's not going to get a chance. It's going to be McPherson with a chance to put this away. And he'll do it on the last second field goal, and Cincinnati will take it home, which means the Steelers cover, by the way. Okay. Ready for hot sheet? Let's do it. Okay. So we already talked about Thursday night football. We both got – you have them covering then the two and a half? Buffalo, yes. Okay. So Buffalo to cover the two and a half, and they'll obviously win. Moving on to Sunday afternoon, New Orleans at Atlanta. Falcons plus five and a half. <laughs> oh, um. New Orleans. New Orleans, right? <laughs> if only by default? My God. Uh, San Francisco at Chicago. Bears plus seven and a half, or plus seven. Oof. San Francisco should win this game because they have a lot more talent than the Bears, and the Bears are just, like, scrounging. I will take San Francisco. And there's, there's the whole time change, huh? They're going from uh, Pacific time zone to Central time zone. This is Trey Lance's, like, first big Bowman, too. San Francisco. Well, the Bears haven't seen what San Francisco's going to do, so I'll say the 49ers will win by two touchdowns. Okay. I, I agree with you. Uh, we both had the Steelers covering. Yes. Philadelphia at Detroit. Eagles minus four. Oh, Philly. <laughs> Detroit. Don't you have Detroit winning this division? I have. De- Did I have Detroit winning the division? I'm almost positive you do. Or maybe you have them coming in second. No, I have them coming in second. Yeah, okay. I have okay. them coming in second. Okay. They're not going to make the playoffs, <laughs> but they'll come in second because that division's awful. <clears throat> yeah, I think we both took Green Bay. Yeah, we both took Green Bay because Chicago's going to suck. The Vikings, yeah. I think, will have some issues. Yeah, I took the Vikings to come in second. You took Detroit. My bad. My bad. <laughs> Uh, and uh, honestly, it, Detroit's going to bite some kneecaps. But Philly's got a mobile quarterback. They've got a good defense. They just picked up A.J. Brown. they got a receiver to throw to. They've got weapons. They've got talent. I just like the Eagles in this one just because Detroit's going to figure it out. Just not yet. Not against this team. Miami, not in week one. Miami at New England. Patriots plus three. <sighs> New England struggles with Miami, but in Miami. Yes. So we Well, should- wait a minute. No. It's, I think it might be New England at Miami. If it's at Miami, give me Miami. Because the Dolphins give the Patriots problems in Miami. Like, this is historically laid out over time. It's in Miami. Oh, give me the Dolphins. The new-look Dolphins with that offense with Tua in in a a situation where they routinely own the Patriots. Give me the Dolphins. I'm going to do the same thing. I'll take take the Dolphins for the same reason. Uh, The Jets are hosting Baltimore. Joe Flacco at quarterback for the Jets. The spread is seven. Baltimore by seven? Yeah. Ew. Come on. Joe, Joe Flacco? Really? Got to be the Ravens, right? <laughs> yeah, it's got to be. Ravens with seven points? Yeah. Got to be Got to be Baltimore on the road. Okay, the Washington Commanders take on the Jaguars. It's in Washington. Commanders minus three. Give me Washington. We don't know what Jacksonville by, is by yet. By default. Well, not even by default. We just don't know what Jacksonville is yet. Carson Wentz may not be a world beater, but he's at least 
easily serviceable and decent. And he's good enough to beat that Jaguars team by more than a field goal. Give me Washington. And they're, they're, mm. I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna do the same thing, but it's Carson Wentz. And he's throwing to Terry McLaurin, who's one of the best receivers in the league, possibly the best receiver no one talks no one talks about. He just got paid. He's no one to prove things made. All right, so we're both taking the Commanders. This both has been commanders. a very, very same uh, <laughs> same sided hot sheet so far. It's it's easy to pick this slate though. Carolina takes on Cleveland in Carolina. The Baker-Mayfield revenge game. You know I'm taking the Panthers. Everybody's probably taking the Panthers. And Baker-Mayfield's going to try to destroy that. Okay. Indianapolis at Houston. The Colts have lost four or maybe six of the last opener. I think it was six. Six of their last openers. I think that ends this week. It's a seven-point spread, and I'm taking the Colts to cover the seven against Captain Neck. Colts win. Captain Neck covers the seven. No way. Give me Houston to cover seven points. How are they going to score points? I think, I, <laughs> how does Houston always manage to have Indy's number? How'd they manage to have Indy's number last year, week 17, or week 18? No one seems to know. I'm riding it. Captain Neck, now I'm not saying they win the game, but Houston keeps it close. I wrote Josh Captain Neck instead of Houston. <laughs> 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 so whenever we recap this next thing, we're like, what the heck? <laughs> Captain Nick. Uh, moving on to the 425 slate, Tennessee takes on the New York football Giants. Giants plus five and a half on the count of three. One, two, three. Titans. Titans. <laughs> Green Bay at Minnesota. Minnesota plus one and a half on this one. Uh, Packers. They upgraded that defense with two first-round picks that are going to be really, really good. I think they're both kids from Georgia, if I'm not mistaken. Green Bay got smart and upgraded with the Roman Reigns of college football with two kids on their defense. I think it makes a difference. Green Bay will be a lot better because of that defense. They'll beat Minnesota. I'm going to take the Vikings. Wow. Josh, we drafted Dalvin Cook. We did. We got to cheer for him. We will. And I'm cheering for the Vikings to win this game. I, I hope Dalvin Cook does well. But I'm, I'm actually tired of Aaron Rodgers. He's I'm, being a little punk. I'm grown, <laughs> I'm, I've grown a little annoyed with him. I'll give you that. He lost last year in the opener because he looked like garbage, and he doesn't have Devontae anymore. But he's got a defense now. He does. But do you really feel – do you fear Alan Lazard? Do you really? Not yet, no. Okay. But I would fear this defense for Minnesota. I'm taking Minnesota, man. Wow. Sometimes they give Green Bay games, and Dalvin Cook can run all over them. That's fair, and they're playing in Minnesota. So that's, yeah. That's fair. Uh, Arizona's hosting Kansas City. The Chiefs are minus six. Wow. No DeAndre Hopkins because he's suspended. I'm Ooh. taking the Chiefs. Cardinals cover but lose at home. You're going with the Cardinals. I'll, I'll take them to cover. I think I think Casey wins it. I think they win a close one, but I like the Cardinals to cover at home, specifically because they're at home. They're at Arrowhead. Casey probably wins by ten. Uh, Los Angeles Chargers and the Las Vegas Raiders. Ooh. Bet the over. Uh, it's a three-point spread, and it's in favor of the Chargers. They play in L.A. or Vegas. It is in Los Angeles. I'm almost positive. Raiders. I'm taking the Raiders too. It's in Los Angeles. I don't trust. I don't trust Staley yet. I knew you did. This is a revenge game opportunity after it what is. happened in week 18, and he's probably still going to He's gonna find a way not to blow jump it. on it. He'll find a way to blow it. I trust the Raiders more than I trust their, their Chargers coach. And I think Devontae might go for like 12 catches, 157 yards, and, and three scores. And this is considering a fact I love what the Chargers did upgrading their defense, but I still don't trust their head coach.
That says a lot. I I'm with you on that one, man. Yeah. Tampa Bay at Dallas. Dallas plus two and a half Sunday night football. Bucks, definitely. Dallas doesn't have all their horses yet on offense. They're not going to be what they should be yet. They're not at full strength, and I think Tampa uh, Tampa exploits that. I'll go Bucks. I will too. And finally, Russell Wilson goes to Seattle to take on the Seahawks. Denver minus six and a half. Broncos will cover that by double digits. Why is it only six and a half? I don't know, but let Russ cook. You don't think Russ is going to go in there and be like, all right, boys, I got this. Oh, he will. He's going to absolutely cook these guys. How is it only six and a half? Hashtag let Russ cook. They cover by by double digits. Is Geno Smith against that defense? Really? I know. He went for his life. Yeah, Denver wins. Okay. That wraps up Hot Sheet, and that wraps up the Chris Fumatu Malafala episode. We're back at it next week. Follow the show at Sunday M-O-R-N Grind. Follow Greg at, at the G-Fan. Follow me at Josh Taylor HD. See ya!